Hello, 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 and welcome once again to Wednesday Night Refresh Bible Study. I am Pastor Edwin Strickland, and I will be doing the teaching tonight. Tonight will be a new partner, lesson number eight, and we're going to be talking about tithing, sowing seed, and giving offerings. So welcome, welcome, welcome. You guys know what to do every time you come into one of the broadcasts. We ask that you participate in what we call some social media outreach. What does that mean? That means that we ask you to please like the broadcast. We also ask you to please tag and to share the broadcast. We ask you to put it in any groups that you have permission to share it with. We ask you to put it on your story, to put it on your page, because we want this word, this gospel, to go as to many people is possible. So thank you all for being here on another Wednesday night. Uh, we appreciate you tuning in. Uh, I believe that something tonight will be said or done that will give you revelation and insight uh, into some uh, things about tithing, some things about uh, your sowing, some things about your offerings, and some things about your givings. Uh, and what I'm going to do, I'm going to actually uh, wait till the end and go through our announcements, because what I'd like to do is just go ahead and just jump right into uh, the teaching. The only thing I will say is that if you are a first-time visitor, is this your first time joining us and watching this broadcast, then I'll go ahead and ask you to just let us know in the comment section. You can just simply say first time visitor or first time here or hey, I'm new. I promise you we're not going to click it and drag you on screen and make you tell us your name and your church home and who your pastor is and all of that. We just have some virtual greeters out there who if they see that, they're going to say hello to you. Uh, see if you need anything. If you have any questions, you have someone you can reply back to uh, doing this particular teaching. Let me go ahead and set the stage and let me say this. that What we're talking about tonight. Uh, for whatever reason, sometimes seems to be a very controversial topic. I'm not even sure why it is, uh, except to say that uh, it's probably one of the things that have been uh, maybe mistaught or misappropriated in the body of Christ. And so when people start to hear about tithing or about offering, uh, for whatever reason, it becomes an automatic turnoff. But let me just tell you, for those of you that are here tonight, for those of you that are tithers, or for those of you who've had questions about it, or maybe even those of you who said, you know, I'm, I'm not a tither, I don't believe in it. I'm asking you to listen tonight with an open mind and an open heart. I'm not here to change your mind. I'm simply here to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with, with you and to let you know that what we believe here at Fellowship of Champions and what we as, a, as, as pastors, Pastor Sean and I, and what our leadership team, what we believe and what we teach. Uh, we can't force you to believe anything. This is lesson eight. Uh, we've taught seven other lessons. We've talked about uh, salvation. We've talked about church vision. We've talked about receiving the spirit of the pastor. We've talked about dedication and singleness of purpose. We've talked about church authority. And we've talked about church discipline. And with all of those, uh, we could not make you uh, agree with any of that. But what we tried to do is to lay this out for you in a scriptural context so that you had the foundation to go and study it for yourself. Uh, I, I can tell you unequivocally, tithing works. Why can I say that? Because for the last 21 years, it's worked in my life consistently. 
for the last 21 years, I have not missed a tithe, not one time. And I can tell you that every single year when I look at what God is able to do in my life that is so far above and beyond what I make in the natural, there's just no way you can talk me out of it. So you have to be a believer for yourself. And we're going to talk about it later. But the Bible says for you to prove him to prove him. It's one of the only places he says that. He says, prove me herein. He says, if you do not tithe, uh, watch and see what I will do for you. It's the one place where, where he tells us to try it. And so I tried him 21 years ago, and I'm telling you, it's been a blessing to me every since. So what I want to do is I want to just go ahead and get right into tonight's teaching. Uh, I didn't ask the question, uh, but I hope y'all can hear me. <laughs> I went through that whole thing and I wasn't looking at comments or anything, but I hope you can hear me. So uh, if you can't, I'm going to be really, really disappointed uh, if I did all that and you and you couldn't hear me. But I think you could. Can y'all hear me? Somebody say, say something in the comment section. Let me know. And as soon as I do. OK, great. Awesome. I saw Pastor Raph told me uh, you could hear me. So, OK. All right. So let's get started then. So tonight we're going to talk about tithing offering. And again, I'm not here to try to persuade you one way or the other uh, any more than when I'm talking about the power and the authority of the believer. Uh, I'm not trying to make you think you have power. I'm just sharing with you what the word of God says. Uh, and if you have a different perspective on that, uh, that's fine. We can still love each other. You do what you have to do and uh, I'll do what I have to do. But as pastor, uh, this is what we teach you at Fellowship of Champions. So here's the thing. There is a widespread misunderstanding about how money and giving affects our lives as believers. When you look at the body of Christ and you look at across the denominations and, and even within non-denominational movements, whether it's word of faith or whether it's, it's something else, there's so many different teachings out there that involve money and giving. Uh, and I think the reason is one of those subjects that are is so touchy because a lot of times people act like money is not important. They act like money is not a big thing. But the truth of the matter is, it's a major thing. And it's a major thing in all of our lives. It's the reason that we, it's the reason why we sacrifice sleep uh, to get up and go to work. It's the reason why we uh, exchange our time for money because money is precious. People say the most precious thing we have in this life is time because it's this one thing we don't get back. But yet we exchange that time uh, for money. The Bible says that money answereth all things. So it's, it's, it's really just a lie if we say that money is not important. And so because money is important, when we get it, praise God, we want to hang on to it. We don't want to let it go. We don't want someone to, to take it and we don't want someone to take advantage of us. And I get that. I understand that. And sadly, it has happened in the body of Christ. I could not sit here in good conscience and tell you that it has not been people in the body of Christ who have taken um, scriptural scriptures and scriptural context and teachings and used it to manipulate money out of people. Has it happened? Absolutely it has. Uh, so tonight I'm not teaching this from the standpoint of thinking that that has never happened. I know it's happened and I can be honest with you, it will happen again somewhere in the future. What I can promise you is that because of my responsibility to Jesus Christ himself, I won't ever do it. 
uh, in the 21 years that I've pastored, uh, and even prior to that, uh, it's just it's been one of my life's goals to not ever fleece the people, not for their time, not for their money, not for their resources, because at the end of the day, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that I have to answer to God for that. So I don't try to manipulate people into working in the church. I don't try to manipulate people into doing certain things. I don't try to say stuff to people like if you don't serve, it's going to be a curse on your life. I, I just don't do that. What I do is I teach you what the word says. I pray that Holy Spirit will then open your eyes and flood your eyes with light and give you revelation um, in the same way that he's given to me and that you then have the courage to act up on it. And in the meantime, whatever you do, I love on you no matter what. Uh, but it's my obligation to teach the word. And so that's what I do. So, again, I believe that there has been a widespread misunderstanding about how money and giving affects our lives as believers. Wrong teaching on these subjects has kept people in bondage and has caused them to dismantle their relationship with Jesus Christ. It's really forced people into having to choose between money and serving God. And money and serving God was never uh, supposed to be uh, even, even a fault. And if you think about it in these terms, Jesus died for us. Um, God the Father gave Jesus to the world as a gift, as a ransom to pay the price for sin. So he gave us his best precious gift. So if he gave us his best precious gift, why would he ever withhold anything from us? Why would he then try to uh, take what we deem as precious? And I've told you that money is precious. It is. Uh, it, it's not more precious than Jesus. It's not more precious than honoring God. But it is precious because it is necessary for all of our resources. But Jesus gave us something far more valuable by laying down his life as a ransom for our sins. See, here's the problem. Religion teaches us that we have to perform all of these works out of our own efforts in order for God to love us and in order for God to bless us. And I believe that many churches have mistakenly bought into that same way of thinking. They teach people, they say it's grace alone, but then they tell us it's all of these works, all of these things you have to do in order for God to love you, in order for God to bless you. But the reality of it is, is that God loved us when we weren't doing any of those things. Praise God. The Bible says while we were yet in our sin, while we were enjoying our sin, uh, there it was Jesus Christ who was laying down his life so that he could buy us back into the kingdom. So if he was doing that before I was doing anything right, then it makes sense. That there's no condition for me to have to do all of these things to reap his love. But at the same time, the kingdom of God is a kingdom. And as a kingdom, it operates off of certain principles. And those principles operate because God has put them in order, like the principle of love or the principle of forgiveness, the principle of long suffering, the principle of meekness, the principle of faith. Those things work for anyone who is willing to get involved in those principles. Well, the same thing is true where giving is concerned. There are principles that God has established in his kingdom and they work for those who are willing to get involved. Now, many churches, I believe, have mistakenly bought into this way of thinking that we got to perform in order for God to love us. 
The problem is, is that this philosophy has seeped into what is taught concerning money and giving, especially where the tithe is concerned. Now, hear me out tonight. There are churches that are teaching people that if you don't tithe, that God is going to curse you, that he has some big button uh, there that he's going to punish you for. This may shock a lot of people, but I don't personally believe that. What I believe is that God has poured out all of his wrath onto Jesus. I believe that when you participate in the tithe, when you participate in the principles of giving and sowing, I believe you position yourself to be blessed by the uh, prerequisite requirements that come with being blessed. That doesn't mean God doesn't love you. It doesn't mean that God doesn't, do, doesn't honor you in your life. What it means is that God has set up some principles. And if you don't participate in those, you don't, you don't reap the benefits. The same thing is true when we talk about faith. If you, don't, if you don't operate in faith, then you can't get the things of faith. If you don't operate in the giving of your tithe, the giving of your offering, the giving of your first fruit, the giving of your sowing seed, then God still loves you, but you miss out on the benefits that comes along with those established principles. Understand, this philosophy has seeped into what is taught about money, especially the tithe, and about it being a certain amount or God's going to punish us. Now, hear me out. The truth is, because of what Jesus did on the cross, we are now under grace and not under the law. Now, some people are, are, are jumping for joy right now and they're saying, oh, yes, wonderful. We're under grace. We are not under the law. The tithe was under the law. Well, hold on just a moment, because I'm going to show you in just a little bit that the tithe came along well before there was ever a law to tithe. So tithing was only implemented in the law because there was a precedent to do so. I'm also going to show you that if you are really in, in this dispensation of grace, the grace is always greater than the law. So if the law said we give 10%, grace says we go beyond that. So if you really want to talk about being a grace giver, I can show you in the Bible how when grace hit the people, there was always an overabundance of giving. The Bible says that when grace hit them, when they were getting ready to build Solomon's temple, that the people gave so much that the priest of the temple had to ask the people to please stop giving. <laughs> now, when was the last time you was in a church service and everybody gave so much that somebody had to say, y'all, please stop giving. We don't have enough space to keep all the money that you're giving. <laughs> I submit to you, you probably not experienced that in your lifetime. Why? Because grace giving, grace anything always goes above the law. So don't get excited just because I said we're under the dispensation of grace and not law. But we are. Because of what Jesus did, we are no longer bound by the law. We are under a great, we are under grace. The Bible says it like this: you and I have been given a better covenant. In other words, we had a covenant that was cut with Abraham, but when Jesus came, not only did he ratify that covenant, but then he added some appendices to that and gave us a better covenant. Hear me when I say this. God wants us to give freely. God wants us to give freely and he wants us to give from a heart of gratitude, from a gratefulness position.
not out of a sense of obligation. Somebody go ahead and type in the comment section and say this. Say, I never give out of obligation. I never give out of obligation. I do not. I don't get tricked into it. I don't get uh, I don't give under compulsion. I don't give out of emotion. I seek the Lord about what I should give to who, to what and to when. And once I hear the voice of God, I obey quickly. Remember, 2021 is the year of radical obedience for Fellowship of Champions and her partners. 2021 is our year of radical obedience. And because it's our year of radical obedience, we obey God in every area, including our giving. Watch this. And because we're not under the law, because we are under grace, it is wonderful for us to do so. Understand this. When we give, it is no longer just giving money. I need you to get out of the mindset that when you give your tithe or your offering, that you are giving just money. Hear me when I say this. God has no use for your money. OK, people say, well, if God has no use for my money, then what is it good for? It's good for kingdom work. The kingdom needs your money. I'm not going to get on here and tell you that the church doesn't need your resources. If you if nobody gives and I don't mean I mean, nobody. Now, we believe because this is God's work. He'll raise up people to do it. But I'm just saying in the natural, if nobody gave, then how do you pay the light bills? How do you pay the people who work in the ministry? How do you give to the food bank? How do you give to prison ministry? How do you do work for the for the children's ministry? How do you buy the equipment that's needed? How do you give scholarships? How do you do anything except? We need money. And I'm not going to sit here on this broadcast and act to you like we don't need your money. You know, I hate to see preachers who come on and they badmouth tithe and offering and sowing and they spend 35 minutes talking about how bad it is. And at the end of their broadcast, ask you to sow into it. Now, why would you ask me to sow into your broadcast if you don't believe that money is necessary? Listen, money is necessary. We need your money. We, we need it. Yes, we do. I and mean, there's nothing wrong with saying that we need your money. And the reality of it is, especially in this new generation, you know, you look at the millennials and, 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 the, and the generation Z's and, and Y's and whoever they are. Listen, if you'll just be honest with them and explain to them, listen, there's a business side to the ministry. And the business side says that we have a lease on this building or we have a mortgage on this building and we have this on the vans and we have this on the equipment and we have this payroll to pay and we have this insurance to pay. You know, we to, to even meet in this building, uh, we just got our insurance bill for the year. It was over $2,000 to ensure that if someone comes here and falls on this property, that we don't get sued. That's the business side. We need money for that. And God knows it takes money to run his ministry. Listen, Jesus had a treasurer. <laughs> People don't like this kind of teaching, but it's the truth. Jesus had a treasurer. And let me help you. How do we know that Jesus didn't have $2.15? Because you don't need a treasurer for $2.15. You need a treasurer when you have so much resources that there needs to be a, an accounting of all of it. Okay? So, so don't get it twisted. We, this idea um, that, that, that money is a bad thing is just not true. Well, pastor, what about money is the root of all evil? What about that's a lie? That's not what the Bible says. It's just not what the Bible says. The Bible says it is the love of money. 
And what do we mean when we say the love of money? We mean that the wrong relationship, the wrong relationship with money is the root of all evil. Because if I love money more than God, I'll keep it when he says give it. If I love money more than God, I'll use it for some evil end in order to get more of it. When I when I love money more than God, I'll use it to hurt people and control people rather than to bless people or to love people. Are you guys listening to me tonight? So so we're going to debunk this whole idea that somehow giving is bad. Listen, I don't care whether a pastor happens to be a full-time pastor or bivocational pastor. They still have the right to teach you this without having to be concerned about somebody thinking, oh, he trying to get my money. No, what most pastors are trying to do is get a blessing into your life. It is the reason that they teach it if they teach it authentically. Has there been people that teach it bad? Yes. But have there been bad doctors? Yep, you still go to the doctor. Has there been bad teachers? Yep, send your kids to school. Has there been bad lawyers? Yep, but you call one if you need one. Listen, just because somebody in a particular industry does something wrong, it does not negate all the other people in that industry. Otherwise, everybody who has a career would be looked at in a bad manner. And I need the church to grow up and stop thinking like juveniles, thinking that every time somebody is saying something, they're trying to get an advantage of you. Amen. So when we give, watch this, it's no longer about just giving money. What is it about, Pastor Edwin? It's about authenticating our trust in God. What do you mean? I mean that most of us put a whole lot of trust, come on, in our money. So when God asks me to give my money away, he's asking me to use that money to authenticate my trust. Why? Because I, because rather than trusting the money, now I'm going to trust him. See, here's the thing you have to understand. You only have 100% of however much you have. I'm going to let that sink in for a second. You only have 100% of whatever you have. So whatever percentage God asks you for, God is obligated to make up that percentage. But watch this, because God is like he is, he never just matches what we give to him. He's always going to be above and, and, and more than kind of God. So if I got 100%, but I give him 10 and I'm left with 90, he comes along and supplies the 10% that I, that I gave to him plus another 50. That other 50 helped me live above what I could have lived if I just hang on to the 100. See, when you grab hold to revelation like that, you begin to live at another level. And that's what Pastor Sean and I have done for the last 21 years. It's the reason that every single year we do our taxes, every single year we look at our giving statement. We just look at ourselves and shake our, our head and say, look here, God done done it again. Is there anybody out there who is a giver, who's already a tither? And you can testify tonight, God has done it again. If that's you, go ahead and say, God did it for me. God did it for me. You done saw God show up and be that extra 50%. You done saw God show up and be an extra 30%. You done, you done saw God when you done sold your seed, show up and be the percentage above and beyond what you needed. It's not just about giving money. It's my opportunity to authenticate my trust in God. This is why we must choose between serving God or serving what the Bible calls mammon. The Bible says you cannot trust 
in both God and mammon because you will be a servant to only one of them because one of them you will love and the other one you will hate. He says you cannot serve both God and mammon. He didn't say you couldn't have them both. He says you can't serve them both. Oh, somebody ought to get that. He didn't say you couldn't have God and money. He said you can't serve God and serve money. It's a difference. So I choose to serve God, who is the supplier of everything I would ever need, which includes money. Because sometimes I might need some healing. Sometimes I might need some peace. Sometimes I might need some joy. Sometimes I might just need a hug in the spirit realm. Sometimes I might need the Lord to throw his arms around me and comfort me in times of grief. But sometimes I might need some moolah. I might need some dinero. I might need some pesos or some pounds. Wherever you're listening from, I might need some sterling. Okay, whatever you need, you might need it. But if you serve God first, he'll add whatever you need to it. But you got to serve God first. We cannot serve God and we cannot serve mammon. And whenever God asks me for mammon, whenever whenever God asks me for money, I can tell who my master is based on how I respond. Now, I'll be honest with you. There were times early in my life, money was my master. I didn't grow up in a situation where we had lots of money. And because I had friends who I hung around who did have lots of money, I knew what it was like not to have lots of money. You know, there are a lot of times people say, well, we grew up poor and we didn't even know it. That ain't my testimony. I knew we didn't have some stuff. I knew it was some other stuff that other people had in their homes and and they did things on vacations and and they, they spent certain amounts of money on certain things that we just weren't able to do. And so my early years was all about making sure I had money to do those things. So when someone was talking to me about tithing, I was like most people, I'm not about to give you this money. I work for this. This is my money. If I give it to you, you're going to have more and I'm going to have less. But it took revelation knowledge. It took the Holy Spirit coming into my life and me studying the word and me, watch this, proving him, taking him up on his word and say, okay, I'm going to try it. And if it works, great. And if it don't, then I know it was a fake. And here I am 21 years later and God is still working. That's why you can't talk me out of it now. See, a lot of people, what they want to do is they want to tithe one time and go, okay, I tithe one time. What you going to do? No, 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 no. You got to build up some consistency because you got to believe you got to build up your belief. A lot of people ain't believing. We talked about that on Sunday. You just hoping and a wishing, but you ain't really believing. But once you believe, you can't be talked out of it. Understand this. When we give because we want to. When we give because we want to and not because we have to, we don't give reluctantly. We don't give grudgingly. It is with the mindset of giving and not paying. Let me say that again. It's the mindset of giving and not paying. I say to people all the time, don't say you paid your tithe. You don't pay your tithe like it's a bill, like it's an obligation. You give your tithe. Because when you give your tithe, the word give, it says to you, I have choice in this. I have ownership in this. I am rendering this of my own free will and accord to the Father because I want to. Not because I got to. Well, Pastor Edwin, what's the difference? You may not want to pay your light bill, but I promise you, 
if you go long enough without paying them, they will come and take from you your lights. Why? Because you owe it to them. You owe it to them. The tithe belongs to God, but God says, I'm going to give it to you first so that you have the opportunity to give me something. Because in reality, as mere humans, we don't have anything to offer to God. Somebody says, well, we have our praise only if he gives you movement of your hands and your feet and breath to breathe and eyes to blink and everything else. That all comes from him. We use all of that to praise him. So the same thing is true where the money is concerned. He says, take 100 percent. Now, here's the principle that's involved. You choose to get involved with the principle. And if you do, there are blessings attached to it. And you get to demonstrate your authenticity toward the trust you have in me. And you get to participate in worship and you get to honor me all because I gave you something to give to me. You know, that's it's, it's I, the best way I can describe it, because I told you on last week, I'm a, I'm a visual person. I, I always use images and imagination. Right. When your kids are little and your kids say to you, daddy, daddy or mama, mama, what we going to get mama or daddy for their birthday? And you say, well, I don't know what you want to get them. And they say, uh, can we get can we get mama uh, a, a, a card and can we get mama a, a watch? And you say, yeah, you want to get mama a card and a watch? They go, yeah. Now you go buy it because <laughs> they little kids. They don't have a job. They, they can't go and buy the card. They can't go pick out the watch. You go do all of that and you give it to them so that they can offer something as a present, as a gift of honor. It's the same way in the kingdom. It's the same way in the kingdom. You don't really have anything to give to God. You don't really, you don't really have anything that, that, that you could give him that he couldn't get on his own. But, but Jesus died for us so that we could be in the kingdom to participate in these principles so that we could live a life so abundant that we have something to give back to the Father. Does that make sense to you? So that's how that works. Giving is a way to express our thanks for what Jesus did for us by grace. Amen. Giving is a way to express our thanks for what Jesus did for us by grace. Amen. And so tonight we want to talk about that. I want to share with you what we believe at Fellowship of Champions about tithing offerings. So here's the question tonight. Do we tithe or do we not tithe? Do we give or do we not give? Do we sow or do we not sow? Do we do we do we bless the pastors? Do we not? Uh, do we how often do we do it? Um, do we do it every week? Do we do it once a month, once a quarter, once a once a year? How, how do we do it? And, and then and then when we tithe, what do we tithe off of? So let me say this. What I'm about to share with you is what we at Fellowship of Champions do. When I say we, I mean me and Pastor Sean and what we've taught our leadership team and those who come here and say that they're partners and they submit to the vision. That's why it's so important that you go back and you listen to that teaching on church vision, because part of what we're going to talk about tonight is tied into our church vision. And so if you don't understand it, you'll hear us teaching about it. You'll get all upset about it, which is why you need to go listen to lesson number seven about offense so that you don't get offended about what we're teaching. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So listen, like many other biblical truths, 
there isn't really a debate about tithing or not. People talk about tithing or not, but it's really not a debate about whether we should tithe or not. The debate is about whether or not you're going to do what the Bible says do. It's not a debate about whether uh, we should be tithing or not. And there may be some of you who said things like, well, I tried tithing before and it didn't work. But tithing isn't something that you just simply try. Tithing is something that you live. Let me say that again. Tithing is not something that you try. It is something that you live. Tithing, like with anything else, is done from the heart. Anything that's going to produce anything in the kingdom must come from the heart. That's why we tell people even your obedience, it's got to come out of your heart. You got to be willing to obey God. The Bible says if you're willing and obedient. Now, he could have just said if you're obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. But he says you got to be willing and obedient because the willingness talks about what's going on inside of the heart. The obedient part is just a physical action. So I got to be a willing tither here first before I ever just start taking money out of my wallet and putting some in a bucket. Tithing has to be about our heart. Let me give you a quick definition of what it means to tithe. When people talk about the tithe, they're talking about a tenth part, uh, a tenth part of something, a tenth part of something, uh, the, the gross part, the first part, 10% uh, of a thing or the first part of your increase. Anyone who gives a tithe in a grudging manner or they give a tithe out of obligation or they give it begrudgingly, uh, or they give it because they feel like they don't have a choice, they, they're, they're no better than someone who, who fights tooth and nail against giving God uh, anything at all. It's like we tell people all the time, and people used to think it was funny. We would say to people at our church, listen, if you don't want to give, please don't. Because number one, we don't want you to waste your money. And number two, we don't want your negative seed mixed with our positive honoring seed. <laughs> and people used to think that was crazy, but we so believe that tithing is an act of worship and the tithing is about honoring God. We was like, if you don't want to do it, don't. You don't have to do it. And people who know who go to Fellowship of Champions or been with us long enough time. Listen, we have one offering doing service. Unless we're taking up something because the spirit has moved and we want to be a, a direct blessing to somebody else. For the ministry, we take up one offering. And there's been times that we've had such a great time in church and teaching. We would end service and somebody would have to say, Pastor, you forgot the offering. Like, oh, yeah. OK, it's your time to give. Why? Because people who want to give, they're going to give whether you remind them, whether you remind them or not. We do the thing on Sunday to let people know where to give because we have people, new people uh, all the time or people need the, the location. I go, you know what? I want to give this week because there are people who get pricked in their hearts who want to tithe in one week and we won't even teach on tithing. The Lord will tell them to give and they'll give. Why? Because the Holy Spirit knows what you need to hear in order to convince you to live by the principles that are designed to help you live your best life. So if you want to live in the benefits of a tither, then you've got to first become a real tither. How do I become a real tither? I become a tither in my heart first. Before I ever give any, any amount of money whatsoever from my wages, I've got to be a tither in my heart first. Pastor Edwin, what does it mean to be a tither in your heart first? A person who is a tither in their heart is one who gives continually, year after year, no matter the circumstance. 
and they give their heart to God first. You hear me? They give their heart to God first. So do I want your money? Not before you give the Lord your heart. I, if I got to pick between you giving the ministry a million dollars or you giving your life to Christ, 10 times out of 10 times, I'm going to pick you giving your life to Christ. 10 times out of 10 times. You people, Listen, it's not a joke. If, some, if Bill Gates said, hey, I'll give you a billion dollars or you or this person over here can give their life to Christ. I'm going with the person's life for Christ. Why? Because it's worth far more than any amount of money, because at the end of the day, God can give me more than Bill Gates ever could. I'm just a believer in that. And if you don't believe that, I encourage you to get in the word and let the word get in your heart, because that's when you'll become a real tither. You got to give your heart to God first. How do I know that that's scriptural? Well, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 through 5, I'm just going to read this for you. Uh, I think I got this out of the Passion Translation. I've read it out of so many translations, uh, but I think this one came out of the Passion Translation. 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5, it says this. It says, now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. This is the Apostle Paul, and he's talking uh, to, the, to the Corinthians, and he's talking about what these other churches have done in order to support the ministry. Verse 2, he says, they are being tested by many troubles and they are very poor. So he says these churches in Macedonia, they, they, they are being persecuted for the gospel's sake. And on top of that, they don't have a lot of money. He says, but they are also filled, watch this, with abundant joy, which has overflowed into rich generosity. He says they don't have a whole lot. They're being persecuted. So when they could give up and quit, when they could not give anything, they're scraping together what they have so this gospel can continue to be preached. He then says to them in verse three, he says, for I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford. Now watch this. They gave what they could afford. He says, but they gave far more than they could afford. And they did it out of their own free will. If you don't get anything else, get verse three. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but they gave far more and they did it of their own free will. Verse four says they begged us, praise God, again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift of the believers in Jerusalem. Notice the churches of Macedonia, they were poor. They were faced with many troubles. He says they gave what they could afford, but then they went a step beyond and gave more than what they could afford. And then they kept begging for me to take more and more from them so that the other churches in Jerusalem could be as blessed as they were. You say, but pastor, how were they blessed if they were faced with troubles and they were poor? Because of their giving, they were they noticed that they were being overflowing in this rich generosity. Watch this. Verse five says they even did more than we had hoped for. It says for their first action. Don't miss this. Verse five for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord. Their first action 
Before they gave anything to the apostle Paul to take to the churches in Jerusalem, the first thing they did was to give of themselves. In other words, they gave their hearts. They became true givers, true tithers, true sowers. Why? Because they gave the most important thing they had, which was themselves to the Lord. Once they gave themselves to the Lord, giving their money was easy because it was not as, as important as the first thing they gave. Oh, glory to God. I get steered up talking about this. It says they then even did more than we hoped for, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. And if you keep reading verse six, seven, eight and nine, you'll find out that because of their giving, the Bible says it like this. They gave their way out of poverty. Glory to God. They gave their way out of poverty. Now, I know there's some naysayers. It may be some angry faces pop up on the screen, and that's okay. I ain't worried about none of that. What I'm telling you is what I know is that in the 21 years I've been a tither and a sore, I have given my way out of poverty. I don't lack for anything in my life that I want or need, and God has richly blessed me and my family to the point that we are living real real, real, real good right now. Why? Not because of just work, not just because of our education, but because we did what the churches of Macedonia did. We first gave ourselves to God. We participated in the principles that he has established in his kingdom where giving is concerned. And every time the church has a need, we find ourselves partnering with the church or other churches in order to meet the need. And as a result, we have now given our way out of poverty. Mm -hmm. Why? Because if God will do it, glory to God, for the Macedonians, God will do it for me. The Bible says that God is no respecter of persons. So if someone else can give their way out of poverty, praise God. The Bible says to follow after them through patience, have obtained the who, who, through faith and patience, have obtained the promise. Then I'm going to follow after them. That's going to be my role model. Remember, you got to have uh, four R's. You need a role model. You got to have a revelation. You need a regiment of faith. And then you need a righteous resolve. Those four R's. I need a role model. Well, who's my role? the Macedonian church. It says they were poor. It says they were faced with great affliction. It says, but they were so excited to give to Paul so that other people could get the gospel. That's why I get so excited about the scholarship fund. Because I do know, had I not went to school, had I not had the opportunity to further my education, there are some opportunities I would have missed. I don't want other kids to miss that because of how much it cost. So I find myself giving into the scholarship fund every time I give an offering. So I'm tithing and giving an offering, but I don't miss giving to the scholarship fund. Why? Because it's near and dear to my heart. I'm begging the church <laughs> to take my offering for the scholarship fund. And as a result, this rich generosity overflows in my life. Amen. So if you are already a tither, right? then the truth I'm sharing with you, they're just solidifying the things you've seen happen in your life. And it's only going to strengthen and strengthen the resolve for you not to become a person who doesn't tithe because of circumstances.
And if you're not a tither and you feel like you need to have revelation in this area, I pray that tonight's teaching will fortify your faith and stir you up to get you to have the courage to just make the plunge, to jump into it and to do it. One thing I know for sure, no matter which way you slice it, tithers are blessed. Those who are true tithers, they are blessed. You can talk about them. You can call them crazy. Listen, I know that there were times when when Sean and I early in our life, when when we were tithing and, 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 you know, family members had different things to say about it, because there was a time in our life that we told people, hey, you know, we're not buying anybody anything for Christmas because we, we, we made the decision that we're going to tithe. And, 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 and if, if we can't buy Christmas gifts, even for our own, uh, I think we only had one daughter at the time. If we can't buy Christmas gift for Tay. Then, then no matter what, we, we just not going to do it. Uh, I think one year we gave people uh, uh, pictures of ourselves for Christmas. Why? Because we weren't going to miss the tithe. We were not going to miss the tithe. We were not going to come to succumb to the pressure of, 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 of the commercialization of Christmas and then miss the true essence of what Christmas is about, which is the celebration of Jesus Christ and not give him what was his. And, and I tell you, in 21 years, God has been so good to us. God's been good to us through recession. God has been good to us when gas was almost $5 a gallon and we were driving from Fed, from, from Springdale, Arkansas to Conway, Arkansas, back and forth two days a week, driving down on Wednesdays and coming back on Wednesday night, driving down on the weekend and coming back on Sunday night. Listen, did that for years when, when, when we were driving an expedition and it was costing $105 or $110 to fill up the tank. We never missed the beat. We never missed the beat. Every time we swiped that card, it was money there. <laughs> Every time we needed food, somebody either gave us something to eat or, 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 we, or, or, or somebody blessed us or we had food. We've never been without. Do you hear me? Some of you, I'm going, I'm going to say it. I'm just going to say it. Some of you are without right now because you won't trust God. You won't trust him. You won't prove him. You won't give him a chance to show up and be El Shaddai in your life. You're so scared that somebody's going to take something from you. You're so scared that God won't come through. You're so terrified that that money's going to save you. But watch this. You cannot be a tither and still have a need greater than your money. You can still have a need greater than your money. Somebody said, well, Jeff Bezos has has one hundred and fifty billion dollars. That's great. Unless he need one hundred and fifty one billion. And now he broke. So it don't matter where you live. It don't matter what your financial status is. You need God because there's going to be something in your life that you can't afford on your own. Glory to God. Understand this. No matter what you may think about tithing. No matter what you may have heard about it, I want to really encourage you to listen with an open heart and mind and to judge this from the understanding that as your pastor, and I've been some of you, you your pastor for decades, I have a proven, Pastor Sean and I, we have a proven track record of not being individuals who use scripture to take advantage or to take anything from you, but to always share with you what is true so that you can live your best life. 
So when you're listening to this, you don't have to buy into that voice in your head that says he's just doing this because he wants you to sow a seed. No, I don't. The only seed I want you to sow is whatever God tells you to do. What I want you to do is learn to be radically obedient so you can be radically blessed. So let's talk about this. I gave you the definition earlier of, of the tithe. It means a tenth part of the gross. And here at Fellowship of Champions, when we say the gross, we tithe off our gross income. Somebody says, is that a question? Yes, we get that all the time. Do I tithe off my gross or do I tithe off my net? Let me make it really simple for you here at Fellowship of Champions, what we believe. We believe you tithe off of your gross. Why? Because we want more? Nope. We believe that you tithe off your gross because your gross is what you made. It is what God blessed you to get. Now, the fact that the, the fact that the federal government, uh, the state government, your insurance company, maybe your child support, I don't know, because they don't trust you. Understand they, they don't they don't they don't trust you to do right. They take from you before you ever get to see it. But God says, no, I'm going to let you get it and then let you decide. So we we we, we honor God off of the substance of everything that we get. Amen. That's what we believe. Now, if you want to tithe off your net and, and the Holy Spirit, you feel like he tells you that that's fine. What I want you to do is to ask God what you should do. But I want to I want to parenthetically insert this. Do you want a blessing off of the part or do you want a blessing off the whole? You want God, God to show up and give you a partial blessing. Most people ain't praying for a partial blessing. They praying that God will bless them abundantly. And so as a result, then our heart is to give abundantly. So we give off our gross. Amen. Now, let's talk about this, because I told you earlier that we are not under the law. We are not under the law. We are under grace. However, I want you to understand that tithing was not just a law issue. So I want to go to go to Genesis uh, chapter 14, because in Genesis and I'm going to actually read it here in Genesis chapter 14. We find the story of the battle of the four kings against five. And what we find here in this battle is we find um, what happens when 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 Abraham does something where there is no commandment to do it. In Genesis chapter 14, you can read all of it when you when you get a chance. But I want to look at verse 14 first. In Genesis chapter 14, here's what it says, because Abraham's went out. He's had this battle of the kings. He's defeated them. He's won a battle that he shouldn't have won. It's, it's a, almost another David versus Goliath kind of story. In verse 14, it says, And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318, and he pursued them into Dan. Verse 15 says, And he divided himself against them, he and his servants by night and smote them and pursued them unto Hoban, which is on the left hand of Damascus. Verse 15 says, and he brought back all the good. So, so he heard that his, 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 his brother um, was taken captive. He went and got his brother and took all the goods that they had. Verse 16 says, and he also brought again his brother Lot and his goods, and the woman also, and the people. Verse 17 says, And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter 
I lost one place. Oh, from the slaughter of the kings. It says, and 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 at the valley of Shavon, it says, which is the Kingsdale. Verse 18, it says, and Melchizedek, the king of Salem. And the, we don't have to get into all that, but Melchizedek, the king of Salem, was a representation of Christ. It was he was a king of peace. It was a representation of Jesus Christ himself. It says, in Melchizedek, the king of Solom, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. Verse 19 says, and he blessed him, and he said, blessed be Abram of the Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. Now watch this. In verse 20, he says, and, he, and, and be blessed the Most High, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. It says, and he gave him, Abraham gave to Melchizedek, tithe of all. He gave him tithe, 10% of all. Verse 21 says, and the king of Sodom said unto Abram, give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. Verse 22, and Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have left up mine hand unto the Lord, the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth. Verse 23, that I will not take from a thread even to a shoe lashet, a shoe lashet, and that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou shouldest say, I have made Abraham rich. Now notice what he did. He went out and he 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 got his son, he got his son, he got his brother back, he got his brother, he got his nephew back, he got all the goods back. He got the women back. He got everything back. The Bible says that once he had everything there, then this, this Melchizedek, who the Bible says has no beginning and has no end, that he is the king of, the, of, of, of priests. He's the king of the most high. He shows up and without any prompting, Abraham recognizes a greater being before him. And the Bible says he gave him tithes of all that he had. Who told Abraham to tithe? It wasn't in the law. It wasn't given yet. This was before the law was given. This is over here in Genesis. This is the early happenings. So when people say, well, you don't have to tithe because it's under the law. You're right. Because the first tithe was given out of grace. The first tithe was given out of grace. It wasn't given as a compulsion. It wasn't given because he had to. There was an unction to do it. There was a grace to do it. So when I say to you, yes, I agree with the people who say you don't have to give out of, out of, out of obligation under the law. You're right. If you are a lover of God, there ought to be a grace from you to want to give to God. Why? Because what's the, what's the purpose of giving? What's the purpose of being a blessing where the tithe is concerned? Well, we can look right over here in Genesis chapter 15. In Genesis chapter 15, it's all about the Lord's covenant promise to Abraham. It's about his covenant promise to Abraham. Genesis chapter 28 uh, then talks to us about, about Jacob. And the Bible describes, I don't have time to get all into it, but in Genesis 28, it describes how Jacob uh, had this dream. And in this dream, he saw angels ascending and descending from heaven back and forth. And one of the things that he says in Genesis 28, uh, 20 through 22 is so important because, again, this is before the law. Look at what it says. It says in Genesis 28, uh, verse 20 through 22, it says, then Jacob made this vow. Jacob, after having his dream, Jacob makes this vow. 
He says, if God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, and if indeed he will provide me with food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. He says, and this memorial pillar, this big rock that's, that's there in this scripture, he says, this memorial pillar I have set up will become a place for worshiping God. He says, and I will present to God, watch this, a tenth of everything he gives me. So when people talk about tithing is this new phenomenon, tithing's been around. This idea that, uh, that, that if someone who is greater than me is providing for me, is blessing me, is doing all of these wonderful things for me, the least I can do is to take this small portion as a gift of honor, as a sacrifice to say thank you. And that is exactly what Jacob was doing there. Now, listen. Because I'm going to make an audible here because uh, because this is so important. I needed this first hour to just uh, to just set up with you to give you the basics, because I'm telling you, if I don't, uh, you, you'll be thinking I'm trying to get your money. So so this partnership lesson is going to have a part one and a part two. I'm just not going to rush it. I've given you some basics. I've kind of laid a foundation for you, but we're going to come back uh, next week or the week after. I'm, I'm not sure. I'll talk to Pastor Ralph. We'll get it figured out, but I'm going to come back and I'm going to teach you uh, the other part of this because this last hour was my introduction. <laughs> Praise God! It was literally my introduction. I have some principles that I need to share with you about tithing. Um, and, and, and I need to give them to you and I don't need to rush it. Why? Because the truth of the matter is if I can get you to grab a hold of this and I can get you to start using what God is giving you in your financial realm to increase your finances, you'll start to live better. So I'm just not going to rush you. Amen. So, so, so what I've talked about tonight is what I've talked about. I've talked about tithes and offerings. If you need to go back uh, this week and listen to it, go back and listen to it. It'll set you up for the next thing we're going to teach. But this is going to be tithes and offerings part one. Tithes and offerings part one. And next week will be tithes and offering part two. And if I don't get through all of what I need to get through, it'll be tithes and offering part three because you need this. Because the one thing the Bible tells us is to not be ignorant of Satan's devices. And if we are ignorant of Satan's devices, then what happens is he'll use those three things I talked about on Sunday and he'll use them where your money is concerned. Well, what was the three things I talked about on Sunday that the enemy uses to derail our prosperity? He uses doubt, he uses fear, and he uses offense. He'll try to make you doubt God's word where, where, where giving is concerned. He'll try to make you fearful that even if you do give, he'll try to plague you with so much fear that there's no faith attached to your seed. And then because there's no faith attached to it, you see no harvest as a result. Or he'll make you get offended and say, well, I'm not tuning in the next couple of weeks that this is all he's going to talk about. 
Well, that's your prerogative. You're not hurting me. You're hurting yourself. I'm going to still be blessed. I've been blessed the last 21 years. I'm going to be blessed the next 50 or 60 years I have along, I have on this earth before I go see the Father. But I'm telling you that I'm not going, you shouldn't, and I'm not going to allow doubt, fear, or offense to stop us from really getting in here and getting a good grasp on what it is we need about tithe and offering. And let me just say this before I go tonight. So that when I say it next week, you'll have a chance to get over it. If you're not a tither, you're not a sower because you can't sow until you first be a tither. And I know people say, well, I'm going to sow. Not if you're not a tither. If you're not tithing, you're not sowing. Sowing comes after the tithe. And I'll show you next week in scripture why that is so. Amen. So I promise you, I give you some announcements. I'm done for the night with the teaching. I'll come back over the next couple of weeks. Me and Pastor Ralph, somebody will come back and we're going to lay out these 10 or 12 tenets that I have for you uh, so that you can begin to, to see some increase in your finances. Amen. I want you to be blessed. I don't care how much the economy changes or, or what kind of recession they say is coming. I want you to be blessed for every season. And part of my obligation as your pastor uh, is to teach it to you. And you got to know my heart, know that I ain't trying to take anything from you. I don't even need, I don't even need you to give tonight unless the Lord tells you to give. I didn't call for an offering tonight. I ain't even going to put up the ways you can give. What I'm going to do is tell you what's happening for the rest of this week. I'm going to invite you to come back next week or the week after that or the week after that and partake in the rest of this teaching. Amen. So let me see. Let me go to these. Here we go on the screen. All right. Here's our here's our uh, announcements. Y'all know what they are. We say them every time we come on the broadcast. But in case you're new, <laughs> we'll say them again. Tonight is Wednesday night. You are here. If you are watching this, whether you're watching live or on replay, this is Wednesday night. This is Wednesday night Bible study. Uh, over the course of the last eight weeks, we have been teaching what we call our new partners class, our FOC new partners class or new partnership related class. Uh, and we have been talking about the various things that we hold dear in this ministry. We've taught about salvation. We've taught about church vision. We've taught about receiving the spirit of the pastor. We talked about dedication and singleness of purpose. We've talked about church authority. We talked about church discipline, and tonight we began, oh, last night we talked about dealing with, last Wednesday we talked about dealing with the spirit of offense, and tonight, uh, week number eight, we started talking about tithe and offering. So join us here at eight o'clock on Wednesday nights for a partnership class. Whether you've been here a year, uh, uh, whether you've been a week, a month, a year, or 10 or 20 years, uh, this is still good stuff for you. On Friday, well, on Thursday, actually, on Thursday, don't forget, we have Ignite and we have uh, On Demand Victory Zone all week long. Uh, Ignite is for our teens and Victory Zone is for our babies. Uh, don't forget, I think they're still doing the teaching around emotions uh, and, and, and you want to you get them in there to hear that. Uh, there's nothing better than learning to control your emotions when you're younger than having to learn that when you're older. Uh, and out here acting like a child because you can't control your emotions. So even you adults may want to go and take a look at that. Uh, it's probably really, really good for some of you. Also, on Friday, every Friday morning, the champions show up. Yep, yep, yep. All the champions, we get together and we show up at 6.30 a.m. for Champions 
circle. That's right. Right here, wherever you're watching this broadcast, that's where you can join us for Champion Circle. 6.30 a.m., one of our dynamic um, intercessors who's a part of our prayer ministry, they will be praying. Uh, I think, and I may be talking about a turn, I think Pastor Nitra may be up this week. I think that's right. Uh, and, and listen, you don't want to miss it. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be wonderful because it always is because something supernatural always happens when we pray. Amen. Amen. And then we give you an opportunity to chill out on Saturday. We give you a chance to go back and catch up on anything you may have missed, chance to be with your family, a way to get rejuvenated. And then this particular Sunday is going to be Resurrection Sunday. Praise God. Listen, we celebrate the life of Jesus Christ. And though it may sound sad about his death, the power took place when he rose on that day. And so this Sunday at 9.30 a.m., we are going to be blessed by Pastor Kristen Valley and Elder Nigel Valley. They will bring us together to worship and praise God for the gift that he gave us in Jesus Christ and thank him and honor Jesus for dying for us and, and doing us with power by getting up off of that cross. That happens at 9.30 a.m. And immediately following that at 10 a.m., Pastor Sean and I'll be right back here with Sunday morning worship, with Sunday morning service, right after uh, Sunday morning service. So those are our announcements. Listen, join us. Set your alarm for Friday morning, 6.30. Listen, don't let offense get into your life. Not about giving, not about anything else. The Bible says that many offenses will come, but you don't have to take any of them. I love you. Pastor Sean loves you. Our leadership team loves you. Listen, our prayer team loves you. Our parking lot ministry loves you. Our greeters and ushers love you. The people who clean the facility, they love you. The people who do graphics and help us run the broad, they love you. Everybody at Fellowship of Champions involved in any way, our children's church workers, they love you. The people who go buy snacks for the kids when we meet in person, they love you. Everybody loves you, okay? You are loved here. So don't let offense get into your heart. Don't let something new being taught cause you to, to have all this angst. Hang in here with us. View our track record. We are good people over here, amen? We don't manipulate you, and we don't try to get you to do anything other than what the Word of God says, amen? God bless you. We love you. You guys have a good night. I'm going home. I got to get caught up on Married at First Sight. It's my show. I love it. I love y'all. Y'all have a good night. See y'all next week. Or see y'all Friday. Well, I'll see y'all on Sunday. Bye-bye.